What is up, guys? Alex from Anacreates here. Welcome to another episode of the Anacreates podcast. It is so nice to have you here. I hope you all had a very lovely and safe uh, Halloween because that was a that happened last weekend. Um, so that has absolutely nothing to do with this week's episode. This week's episode, I wanted to talk about. Um, something that I, you know, I think it's an ongoing conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if I do more, um, episodes about it in the future, because it's something that the more you dig into it, the, the more it really, you know, the more comes to light about the whole situation. So anyway, what, what I wanted to talk about today is the question of when does inspiration become infringement? And it's it's surrounding a bunch of lawsuits. There's been a lot of lawsuits recently. And by recent, I mean within the last five years or so, even five, ten years, there's been a lot of lawsuits around copyright infringement on songs. And it's just, to me, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And just stupider stuff, frankly. Um, so... Uh, I do want to preface what I'm about to discuss by saying this is not fully, you know, my the only thing. There's obviously a lot of stuff to do with every aspect of different cases and different things. I have not looked into all of the cases to their fullest extent. I try to talk about things that I do understand and that I have looked into, but that's why I say it's an ongoing conversation. It's something that I, I probably will make more episodes about as I learn more about different cases um, because there's just, there's so many of them and they all have different situations that they're in and things that are happening and reasons and terms, all that kind of stuff. But I do want to say that I don't condone plagiarism. I don't condone just ripping somebody off. That's, that's not cool. But I do think that a lot of the time it is subconscious and it is something that just comes from being inspired by somebody. But that being said, you know, if, if it does come to light or if I learn more about these things, or if you leave comments, uh, about it and, and educate me about some of the cases and about how they were actually just being ripped off and being plagiarized. Um, even if I've, you know, kind of said something otherwise in this podcast, um, do your own research and learn about it as well. You know, double check if you really, if you really find this very interesting, but I think it's more the points that I'm trying to get across as not, not as much the specifics in certain cases. Um, but yes, I don't, I do not condone plagiarism. I do not condone ripping off copyright infringement. I don't condone just trying to get money out of people. Um, I think that everybody has a right to be creative and everybody has a right to share what they have in their creative zones, in their creative flow, what comes out. And, but I do think that there is definitely going to be, um, you know, things that cross over and inspiration that comes from everything else. I just want to start it with that. I don't know everything about every case. Anyway, moving on. What what I've noticed is all these cases that have been happening and, you know, there's there's a lot of them these days. And that's just, I guess, par for the course with everything um, because everybody's suing everybody for anything. Uh, you know, the coffee's too hot. Well, it's, it's coffee. It's obviously it's going to be hot. But nowadays, um, there just seems to be a lot of these big lawsuits coming out for songs. And the reason I bring this up and the reason that this kind of started and got triggered for me uh, again, because I, I like looking into this, is um, Bring Me the Horizon, which is a band that I really, really like, just came out with a new record. And there was a story in that record about uh, them and Evanescence or Amy Lee from Evanescence. And on their last record on, on bring me the horizons last record, there was a song on there called Nihilist blues. And 
Ollie, the lead singer of Bring Me the Horizon, he, they, he put out a tweet um, and said that they basically they they sued Bring Me the Horizon for ripping off a verse in the song. So what that was is in Nihilist Blues, the verse was a ripoff, uh, and I put that in quotations, of an Evanescence song. So he kind of said, oh yeah, they they sued us. And then later on, he kind of preferred, he, he went back and said, I, I just got to clear it up. The, a lawsuit was never actually filed. Um, our managers, they exchanged words and then we gave her songwriting credit on our song. And I, I loved that. I loved hearing that. And the reason that it comes up now is because Amy Lee is actually now featured on one of the songs on their new record. So they, the whole thing was, you know, this lawsuit, which never actually was a full on lawsuit, uh, brought around this great and phenomenal song, uh, but a great collab. And so I thought that was really, really cool because it was dealt with in a really, really nice way. And on this, uh, with the with the theme of this new record, Bringing the Horizon right now is under fire from just from fans. There's no lawsuit right now. That might change even by the time. I don't know. This is brand. This record's been out for two, three days. But fans are saying that Bring Me the Horizon ripped off a riff from Deftones. So in uh, in Bring Me the Horizon's song Dear Diary, the riff in the bridge, uh, they it sounds very similar to the riff in Swerve City by Deftones from their 2012 record. So a bunch of fans are kind of going, oh, they ripped them off. They ripped them off. They ripped them off. Now, the guitar player from Bring Me the Horizon has talked about this many times, and the, the band has, where they love Deftones. They're big fans, and they Deftones were a big influence to them and to this guitar player. He loves their guitars. He loves that. That's that's just a thing. Um, so obviously, it's not far-fetched to think, you know, he's definitely heard the Deftones song, and they used the riff. But... It's not the 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 thing that I want to to talk about is the fact that they didn't rip it off. You know, bring me the horizon, and there's a lot of fans that are that are also defending them as well with this exact statement. Bring me the horizon is so creative. They continuously blur the lines of their genre. They continuously push the boundaries of their creativity, which is so phenomenal. So they're not like they're not searching for ideas. They're not searching and trying to rip people off. They're they are full of their own ideas. They're so creative. So to to think that they went and deliberately tried to rip off a riff from that band is just like, no, I, I don't believe it. I really don't believe it. I think that it's a subtlety thing. I think it's, you know, it was inspiration. The riff makes total sense in their song and the song sounds absolutely nothing like Deftones um, in that way. And I think it's one of those things that subconsciously you're inspired by somebody and you're influenced by them. And, you know, we have a joke in in recording that there's only 12 notes, you know, really, there's only 12 notes. So you could, there's only so many combinations of 12 notes you can play. Uh, and suddenly now it seems that a lot of these big popular songs uh, are getting lawsuits against them and more in pop than in rock. However, Bring Me the Horizon seems to be bringing this over to rock and it does happen for sure. Uh, but definitely in pop, that's been more and more, uh, uh, more and more of a thing with these, with these lawsuits. Um, but yet, you know, when you look at over onto like blues, they play the same like 12 bar blues thing is every song under the sun uses that thing. Nobody sues anybody else for the same chord progression. So like, okay. And there's also a number of very popular chord progressions and nobody sues over that stuff. But yet bringing the horizon uses a riff, which is a very standard, simple, very simple riff of like three notes. 
and now they're they're coming under fire for ripping this off. And you know, obviously the melody line in their other song that they got sued by Amy Lee or you know, sued in quotation marks. That was a little bit more on the nose. That was like, wow, okay, you clearly used it. And what was really cool about that case and what I really, I, I do want to, to say is they, they talked about it. They're on great terms now. Obviously she's on the new record, but when it came out that they had kind of used this, that they'd ripped off this melody, Ollie had said, you know, we didn't intentionally do this. It was subconscious, but right away they just offered her writing credits. They said, great, we're, we're not going to argue this. It clearly sounds like we're not going to argue it. Great. Here you go. Do you want songwriting credits? Perfect. There is, there's your payment, but they didn't actually intend to rip it off. And I think that that is something that happens so often in production and in recording. I know that for myself that sometimes you, you write something and you're working on something and it's, you're just in this, in the flow state. Of course you're influenced by everything you've heard. And especially nowadays, there's so many songs, there's so many artists, there's so much that has happened in years. It's almost hard not to copy somebody, whether you've heard them or not. It's almost hard to come up with a, a completely original idea or chord progression or riff or something. You know, every combination of words has been used in some regard like it's just it's absurd now it's the combination of all those things obviously every song is sounding different and new and whatnot so you know we're not we're not totally out of ideas yet but um you are definitely influenced you are absolutely influenced when you're recording and when you're writing and so it's not out of the question that it you get inspiration from this but when does inspiration become somebody infringing on copyright when does it actually become something that needs to be taken seriously versus just an inspirational, wow, I, I should feel flattered they loved what I did, or subconsciously it snuck into their writing as well, versus they're deliberately trying to rip me off and, and take money from me. You know, when does that come? And there's a, it's a very blurry line, I think, right now. But I think it really they really need to define it better. People need to sit down. Some kind of committee needs to sit down and figure out what it is that can actually constitute a lawsuit in this regard because nowadays it's happening more and more people are greedy people are so greedy and want money and as soon as they smell money they go after it and it's to the point where you know the big songs are the ones getting sued for tiny tiny things and of course they are because they're the ones making millions and millions of dollars off the songs so people see oh there's a slight similarity i want to sue them because I want part of that pie. Nobody's trying to sue the guy down the street who's playing in a bar band. Nobody's trying to sue the the blues band because it's just a thing that it's normal. But now suddenly in pop, everybody wants their piece of that pie. And I think that there needs to be some very defined lines because it's ridiculous what's happening. So I actually, I heard a stat, I think it was in 2015 or something for the, for the Grammy nominations for like pop song of the year, eight out of the 10 songs nominated ended up having lawsuits filed against them. Now that's ridiculous. I don't even know of eight songs that have had copyright lawsuits filed against them in the genre of jazz or blues. Like I, it's, I mean, there probably is, I'm just, you know, I'm just talking here, but, um, <laughs> but like that's eight out of 10 of the top songs. So, so you're telling me that all of the top songs are all just ripoffs. They're not. They're written by people who are influenced who write a bazillion songs. Like these writers write so many songs. There's going to be little influences here and there of things they've heard. And people are inundated with things that they've heard through Instagram, through YouTube, through Facebook, through everything 
the songs, there's music behind everything. Music is so frankly underrated, but it's, it's so surrounding you. It's everywhere. And that's where the problem lies. And there's no defined line as to what constitutes these, these lawsuits really. So one of the big ones, um, in that actually, I believe it was in that one of those eight of the 10 songs, which is like, just ridiculous. People just obviously want a piece of the pie. But one of the big ones was Katy Perry. And Katy Perry had a, a big a big lawsuit filed against her for her song Dark Horse, which was a big hit in 2014. And a rapper named Flame uh, had a, a song called Joyful Noise. And he he sued her. His song was in 2008. It got some play. It, it, it did well. Um, but he sued her because of his main synth lick in his song. He said that they ripped it off in Katy Perry's Dark Horse. And you go listen to it. And it's a simple descending line. It's a simple eight-note descending line. That's it. It's so simple. It's actually three notes in total. His is three notes. Hers is four um, because they changed it. But they had this whole lawsuit. And back in 2019 when this happened, uh, originally it was on, it was a jury trial and they just used a musicologist and basically confused the jury with the, all this musical jargon that they didn't know what was going on. Cause they're just normal people listening. And, um, you know, they ended up ruling that yes, they had indeed ripped them off. And it was like in music, if you know anything about music, you know that these notes go together. They're in a scale. They're in a key. They're used together all the time. And I've seen many. I'll link some in the description of this podcast or or in the show notes of this podcast. If you go to anacreates.ca slash podcast and just find this episode, I'll link some, some videos of people who actually compare the notes of this song to notes of a bunch of other songs, including some of like Beethoven and A Christmas Carol and all this stuff. And it's a, it's a standard line or standard notes. And they really, the fact that they're trying, they, they tried so hard to find this connection, I think. Um, and you know, if you've, maybe if you've heard it, you'd go, oh, wow. Okay. But it doesn't constitute what they ended up having to pay was $2.8 million in damages. That's what Katy Perry had to pay. And that's ridiculous to me. That's just unbelievable that they would have to pay $2.8 million in damages for this synth line. And part of the thing that they were arguing and that the musicologist was arguing was the timbre of the sound. You can't copyright the timbre of a sound. You just can't do that. That'd be like somebody goes, Hey, uh, you can't use a piano because I've copyrighted the sound of piano. Well, that doesn't work. That's kind of that every rock song would be copying everybody else because they all have a distorted guitar. You can't do that. So, and the, frankly, when you listen to the timbre, they're completely different. He like from a technical standpoint, they are just they're not the same sound at all. But once again, they did a a trial by jury, and the jury are normal people who listen to, to music and just would go, "Oh yeah, I guess it does sound similar," not realizing that yeah, but it, it sounds similar to. 50 other songs as well um, that he would have probably ripped it off from before that subconsciously. So like at this point, you know, who, who actually owns that descending line? So anyway, in 2020, this was actually recently in March, 2020, I believe it got overturned. A judge went and overturned the verdict again. So the $2.8 million of damages was, didn't need to be paid anymore. And the judge was the, the judge's quote was, 
It's a relatively common eight-note combination of unprotected elements that happens to be played in a timbre common to a particular genre of music that cannot be so original as to warrant copyright protection. So basically saying you're playing a synthesizer in pop music and you're playing a common eight-note combination of notes in a synth in pop. Well, all pop songs use synths and these are eight notes that are commonly used together. That doesn't constitute being copyright infringement. That just doesn't, it can't be. And I, frankly, I'm really glad that it got overturned because it was setting a poor precedent for people. And this is kind of what I wanted to bring. This is a conversation I think really needs to be talked about more because they go, oh, if I see any similarity at all, I can sue the big bands and I can make money off of this. And I think that's, that's terrible. Why? That's going to hurt creators in the end because the people who are creating these big songs and are actually helping the music industry in a way, they're going to stop wanting to create these things. They're going to, they're going to stop. They're going to be scared. They're going to get sued because, you know, anything they do can probably be traced back to somewhere, somehow, whether they've heard it or not. Somebody will find a connection and find a way to, to pin it to them that they copied it, even though, you know, it just it's so stupid but you don't want it to affect the creators and people do not deserve to get these damage 2.8 million dollars in damages really that's just so stupid people don't deserve that when they just find these they they're searching for a connection to the big songs eight out of the 10 top of those nominated grammy songs like that's an overwhelming large amount which means people are just trying to dig deep down trying to find a connection i think that's that's the way i think but it's all money it's obviously all money and and i think there needs to be one i think there needs to be uh, a better way to do this and i'm curious to hear what your thoughts are a better way to kind of constitute what constitutes an actual copyright infringement and what constitutes just being inspired by somebody and a subconsciously creative element what constitutes it actually being somebody going to rip them off? Because I, I do not agree, and I do believe that there needs to be something because people will just try and rip off the popular melodies and the popular things. Yes, I do agree people will try to rip that off and try, you know, because people are uncreative. There are lots of uncreative people out there. But I really believe that a lot of the big songs don't deliberately try to do that. Um, and so there needs to be a way to determine when is it deliberate? When is it not? And the second thing is a way to settle this because how can you say it was $2.8 million in damages for Katy Perry? How can you say that that's the number that's attributed to this? Yes, the song made $44 million, but why 2.8 of it is for that synth line? How does that even work? If it was the main part of the song, if the whole beat and the song and the, the whole way that the song was put together was the same, okay, fine. Now we're starting to get into you're, you ripped off the track, but it's not the same thing. How can you how can you put that price tag of $2.8 million onto that? How, how does that even work? So I think along with deciding what actually constitutes one of these lawsuits, figuring out how to do it better. I love the actual way, the compensation better, sorry. I love the way that that Bring Me the Horizon did it, and I really believe that when it comes to big writers they and big artists, they need to be more open about it and go, wow, yep, I do see that that is very similar, and I'm really sorry about that. Here is some songwriting. Uh, I think that's the way that it needs to be. The problem is right now is I think the big artists, when they when they do get caught, not, not caught, but when it does come to come to light a similarity, they're trying to fight it tooth and nail because there's so much 
mu- there's so much money involved and there's pride involved and all this stuff. But when you look at somebody like Broom of the Horizon, they're just like, yeah, oops, right. We we actually love Evanescence, and we that's a subconscious problem. Sorry about that. Here's here's a writing credit, which would be what it would be if the song hadn't been a hit. If the song was just being written and she was in the room and contributed that piece to the song, that's what she would have gotten: a piece of the songwriting, a fifth of the songwriting, whatever amount of the songwriting. And I think that's the way that it needs to be looked at instead of these arbitrary numbers. And I don't know how they calculate that. I, I do have to say that I don't actually know how they calculate that, but I just, I don't see why it needs to be like that. I think it should be, you get part of the credit then you get part of the songwriting royalties and that would be a much easier way to solve this. And I think they need to be more honest about it. Uh, like bring me the horizon is, I think that they shouldn't try and hide and do be too prideful, but I think that there needs to be a way to stop people who are literally just trying to suck money out of the system basically. So anyway, that is my thoughts on this. I'm really curious to hear what you have to say. I'd love to have this as a conversation and I would love to talk about this and probably do some more episodes on this as I look even more into some of these lawsuits. Um, and what it, what it means and the more of the impact and that kind of stuff. So, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Anna creates and let's talk about it or go to anna slash podcast, and then find this episode, um, and leave a comment and let me know what you think. I, I really, I really think that there needs to be a better way. I don't have it fully solved <laughs> for anybody, but I think there needs to be a better way for all this. It's good to be inspired. You know, uh, to end this off, I just want to say I was watching a video with Pharrell Williams and he tries to channel the way that he produces is he likes to channel. He tries to channel somebody or some person's, you know, he, he really literally takes the inspiration from people and that's how he produces. That's how he gets his inspiration, which is amazing. But of course, you're going to run into the odd four notes that are the same four notes from somebody he was channeling. And that's just that's his creative process. He's not deliberately ripping them off at all, but that's how he gets into a creative zone. And he makes great, great music that sounds different from, from a lot of people, but there is going to be similarities in there. I'm sure he's admitted it. He kind of screwed himself on that one with the, uh, when it came to that Robin thick blurred lines, uh, infringement copyright lawsuit thing that happened. That was another big one that happened. Honestly, I think that he has every right to say that. I think that a lot of people need to hear that, that they're not the only ones that take inspiration from these things. I have done it before where I start out with trying to mimic a song's structure or something, and it ends up being its own thing for sure. But I mean, if you search hard enough, I'm sure you can find some similarities in there. And I think if you search hard enough in anything, you'll find similarities somewhere. So... There needs to be a better system. Uh, I hope you join the conversation. I hope you talk about it. I would love to hear your thoughts on this or any lawsuits that you knew about. I would love to hear about them so I can look into them even deeper. Um, but yeah, that is it for that. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And I will see you in the next episode. Until then, always be creating. Always be creating.